This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. Brightest panel in Hamilton Radio this evening for the next hour and 52 minutes now. Boy, time is ticking fast. We just blew through two minutes with me babbling along. Uh, as I say, the A-team tonight, Scott Urquhart, irkedfreelance.com, formerly of CHCH. Thank you again for coming in, Scott. No, we always, always love having you here. Yeah. And next to him, uh, another very familiar face and name, but we can't see it. It's radio, so we'll just go with the name and the voice. Mike Fortune from Cable 14, who, by the way, last week on the McMaster Marauders football game was uh, doing an excellent job on the sidelines. I had no idea you could do studio shows, talk shows, and interview athletes. Jack of all trades. It was a lot of fun being down there on the gridiron again. It's been a few years, and uh, I, I was chuckling so much. Grover was my favorite Sesame Street character of all time. He still Indeed. is. He's awesome. Yeah, me too. Hello, everybody. <laughs> He's awesome. That's very good. You like that, That's eh? Very good. He's very good. I love him. Yeah, and, and that was one of his most famous skits that we played at the yeah, beginning of there. Heavy light, and light. Light, heavy. <laughs> I love it. It's <laughs> awesome. Well, Mike, Mike can do that so well. I'll give you the quiz question one more time now that it's in your head. That voice that Grover uh, is also the voice of a science fiction movie character whose voice who, what is the character? What is the other character? What's the science fiction voice that that voice belongs to? 905-645-3221, star 9900. Uh, while people are pondering that and the uh, mysteries of time and space as well as of Sesame Street, let's, um, let's get into a few of these topics from this week that, uh, that are, well, that sort of caught my attention and uh, I think caught a bunch of people's attention. We're going to start in Toronto in the subway system. Now, you may or may not have seen this story. But there is a, the, the TTC has a, an ad campaign going with the National Ballet of Canada. And throughout a number of their stations, they have large posters of ballet dancers in various ballet-esque poses. I don't know the names of all of them, so I'm not going to try. I know there's a plie, and that's it. That's it. Uh, plie. I, I know plie <laughs> and codpiece, and those are two unrelated <laughs> things. Um and Swan Lake. So there's yeah. my uh, there's my availability to talk about ballet. However, so they've got these posters that are up all around the stations, and they are of, as I say, ballet dancers, lithe, muscular, fit-looking dance-slash-athletes. Because honestly, I mean, you know what? You can poo-poo the idea. Ballet dancers are athletes. Absolutely. They They are strong. They are fit. Not everybody is happy with this. In fact, there is this this campaign is drawing immense criticism from a number of people, including from the Body Confidence Canada Awards, saying that they are presenting images that are unrealistic and highly regimented bodies as some sort of ideal of beauty. And this is a bad thing that beautiful, fit women and beautiful, handsome, fit men are making people feel badly for their own physical state of being, and these should be taken down because they're insulting. When did we get to the point, I guess I'm asking, that aspiring to be the best at whatever it is or aspiring to be healthy or fit or look good or when did we get to the point when that was now seen as insulting to anybody? Well, by by that definition, any bookstore you go to, you should just take all those health and fitness magazines, just take them all out, rip them all up and don't be advertising any of that. I, I think it's a little ridiculous. You work hard for your craft and... Not only are you you're promoting yourself, but you are promoting the art of ballet, which is graceful, which is beautiful, which is something that should be admired. And these men and women, it's not like they go to the gym five days a week and that's it. They are practicing for hours and hours and hours. When I would see an ad like that, I would 
look more at the work that has gone into it so you can then go and appreciate going to the ballet. Have we become so sensitive about body shaming? That, oh, uh, that's what this is. Yeah, well, now I'm asking, should these dancers be the ones that feel ashamed because they're making other people feel bad? Is, is that, you know, they should give up on that because, you know what, somebody might not feel as, as fit or as, as wonderful as you are. I mean, it's, it's politically correct. It's gone run amok. It, it all goes back, and we've said it a hundred times on this show, and I think other people are saying it on other shows. It comes, guys, to a, a sensitivity. We've become such a soft, sensitive society that, heaven forbid, we put anything out there that's going to hurt someone's feelings. But how did you? How could you possibly, if you're the TTC or the National Ballet of Canada, think that by posting this that you are doing something that's going to hurt someone's yeah. feelings? Oh, I know. If they had had a ballet dancer next to a fat guy oh. as, a, as a satirical thing, okay, maybe. But no, but then there would but be outrage because then you're shaming the, the overweight guy that's sitting what I mean. on the couch yeah. eating the that's chips. That's what so I mean, but you, that's not what they're doing. They're posting these photos of people in balletic poses that are what you would see if you go to the ballet. And yet, here's the line. Uh, the woman, again, who is behind this says, is this really moving me? Is this at all depicting me on the move? Talking about the subway. Their organization is campaigning to have discrimination based on size and appearance made illegal in Ontario. Now, leaving aside the seeming, to me anyway, impossibility of legalizing discrimination based on appearance, how in the world you could ever possibly legislate that and Can't. control yeah, and that? It, yeah. How could you possibly enforce? If I didn't get my job and I was interviewing with you, Scott, and you didn't hire me, i say, you don't like bald guys. <laughs> I'm taking you to the Human Rights Commission. And mm -hmm. how do you argue that? Oh, I know. It's I, impossible. It, no, it's crazy. And... and like you say, is the, the line that caught me there was, is this depicting me? Well, no, it's not depicting you. It's but who cares? Yeah, it's depicting somebody who's trained and, and done this for years to reach a certain point. It's not supposed to reflect everybody that's out there in society. It's supposed to reflect the people that are actually on the stage in the National Ballet, and good for them. Exactly. You know? If yeah. there is a poster of Jose Bautista in the subway, and I'm sure there oh. have been in Toronto... Should I be offended because I can't hit a ball 400 feet and I can't make $20 million a year and I can't do what he does and he is an athlete and has worked at it, has worked at it, not just naturally, I mean, he's the athletic, but, or any other athlete, a Maple Leaf, a Raptor, whatever. I can't dunk a ball like DeMar DeRozan. Should I be offended if there's a photo of him dunking a basketball? Because I'm incapable of doing that. Even though if I truly had applied myself, back in high school I could, maybe not like him, but I could dunk a basketball. If I had really applied myself, I could probably still dunk a basketball, but I haven't. I've let that part of my athletic Prowess. toolbox yeah. <laughs> go you know where. <laughs> but should I be offended if I can't do it and someone else can? No, again, it all comes down to people who are just overly sensitive. I'm sorry if I've said it a hundred times already. It, it it breaks down everything then that people are saying. Anything you see in advertising, then someone is going to be offended. You, you don't like white milk? You shouldn't be advertising white milk. Oh, my gosh, I'm offending someone. Oh, but you can advertise chocolate milk. Whatever the case is. I'm just giving a silly example here. It all comes down to folks just take a pill and relax because they need to bring in some revenue. So why not go for it? And why not? promote something that, again, I said earlier, so graceful and beautiful. And as you mentioned, Scott, the National Ballet, it's something that doesn't get as much talk as it probably should. 
promote it when you're in one of the busiest parts of Toronto in the subway. I think it's a great thing. People just got to learn to relax. Yeah, and I think your point, Scott, about uh, uh, whether it's an athlete, whether it's a dancer, no matter who it is, that as, uh, you know, they're professionals. That's what they do. We can't depict them in any other way than what they are. And if you can't accept that these people, there are people out there in society who may be fitter than you, who may be thinner than you. If you can't accept that, you've got a real problem. And that's what's great. That's what makes our society so unique. We're all different. We all have different thoughts. We all have different heads of hair and body shapes and we wear glasses yes, we or do we have don't different wear heads glasses of hair. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or we wear different types of clothing you know what i mean that's what makes this world go the way it does is that we are all unique and if we all become so sensitive about what everyone thinks sees hears or does you know we're, we're getting into a situation where we don't want to we won't want to leave our houses and what message is this sending to our kids well let me again read you another line this is from the the person behind the body confidence canada awards This is simply an opportunity to reflect on who is being left out by an ad campaign such as this. The body types of most ballet dancers do not adequately represent those of most Canadians and I dare say most TTC users. So, you know, Mike... Well, duh. (laughs) No kidding. But you, 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 you bring up a point because yes, they do need revenue. I understand that. Although I don't think this is really a revenue story. To me, the whole part about this, the whole thing that troubles me and frustrates me about this so much is why it, let, let's say, let's go exactly with what she's saying or what whoever's saying that a ballet dancer's body is the pinnacle, that if we could make our body perfect, it would look like a ballet dancer. And that is the point of perfection that none of us are ever going to achieve. Why should we force the people who have succeeded to be pulled down to our lack of ability to get there as opposed to us, even if we can never reach it, striving to be more like that. If you're, if you're really worked up about how your body looks, should we not have something that we shoot for as opposed to saying, no, you're not allowed to look good because I don't look well, like that, so it. you like, can't do it. I think a lot of people are, are comfortable the way they are. I, exactly. I don't care if I never reach that level of fitness, you know? And I think there's a lot of people out there who realize I'm never going to look like that and I don't care. I'm comfortable doing what but I'm But if doing. you went to the gym, if you have a New Year's resolution two months from now and you go to the gym on January 1st and there are posters all over the walls of really out of shape people does it in any way motivate you now if they had pictures of of people if you go to the gym wanting to get in shape and they have pictures of people in shape or before and after pictures or before and after yeah. maybe you look yeah. at it and you say I don't know if I can ever get there, but at least it's something to shoot for. Yeah. And not everybody wants to get there. Not everybody wants to get there, but I don't think that it necessarily means that nobody wants to get there. Yeah. I find I find both sides can actually be inspiring. I'm like, look, you know what? The gym I go to actually does have like a wall of fame of people that have worked extremely hard and they have been in competitions and there they are on the stage with the trophies around. That's inspiring. What is also inspiring and again, this is maybe going at it as a bit of a negative, but you look at someone that maybe isn't as in shape and in your own head, you're thinking, man, you know what? I don't want to look like that. Mm. I want to be better than that person. So you know what? I am going to do another kilometer. I am going to eat better. But as Scott says, even if you choose that you don't, so even if you are overweight, but you're lazy, like me, but even if you say, even if you say, I'm fine with that, that's okay. Okay, that's, that's all that, that should that's, matter. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. But why 
would you be offended that someone else wasn't? Exactly. Why yeah. would you be upset? And why should anyone who has decided they want to be different from that feel bad now that they have succeeded and suddenly now you're saying essentially you, as Scott said, you're shaming me. Well, then I, I guarantee you, I guarantee you that the ballet dancers of the National Ballet of Canada are not giving any thought to what the people on the TTC look like physically. Absolutely not. They are not mm-hmm. shaming them. If they are, it's the person who's got the person with the problem is the person who is being shamed because there is no effort being made from the other side. This is not like that story we heard about that model who took a picture in the shower of an out of shape woman and, and, and laughed at her. That's a very different Different type of thing. That's very different because she tried to mock the person. This is an example of what you could be if you want to. If you really want to work hard and someone's saying, no, I, you shouldn't be able to show that because that makes me feel bad. You know Connie Smith. I do. And, and very well. Si- very well, right? Uh, her sister Barbara was a dancer for the National Ballet of Canada. And Barb worked her tail off day after day, year after year, month after month. The restrictions that were on her. Huge commitments. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. All, all through injury and pain and everything yeah. else that she had to go through to be able to be out there on that stage. And she really worked for that. And then to turn around and say, no, we don't want to see a picture of someone like that because it makes us feel bad. Are you kidding me? After what they went through, they deserve all the publicity they can get. Exactly. That's my feeling. I think the, uh, the the person or persons who wrote this doc this uh, piece here. Yep. Do we know the name? Oh, it's in the Toronto. Or the, who wrote it or who's being uh, quoted? Well, who's being quoted? Uh, the person who is being quoted. Anyways. Yes, I will find it. Hold on a second. Uh, Jill Andrew, co-founder of the Body Confidence Canada wow. Awards, worries that images this is from the Toronto Star worries the images send the wrong message about what healthy, confident humans should look like. I think Jill Anderson should take a long look in the mirror at herself and what her values are and not worry about what other people are going to be thinking. You know, we've got to go to commercial, but I'll tell you something. This, this to me, ballet dancers, their, their um, office is their body. And so as a result, if you're good at what you do, you're going to have a ballet dancer's body. This to me isn't about a body at all. This is about... It's their temple. And if you are good at anything in life, if you are a good accountant... Carpenter. Carpenter, what? plumber whatever, you are going to be vastly better at that skill than I am going to be. Now, you may it may not be a physical appearance kind of thing, but if you walk into my house as a plumber, you know why I've called you in? Because I can't do exactly. what you can yeah. do. But if we put a poster up of a plumber, am I supposed to be saying, no, you know what? I can't do that, and I feel badly that I've never gone to the time to learn how to do this, and therefore you're shaming me with my lack of plumbing knowledge. Therefore, take down that picture because it makes me feel bad. This, to me, is the height, it's two things, the height of selfishness and the height of just complete misguided principles about this is not, you want to know something? If there's a portrait of a ballet dancer, this is not about you. Yeah, exactly. This is not about you. Mm-hmm. This has nothing to do with you. Agree. Go watch them dance and appreciate the fa- I'm not a big ballet fan, but you can appreciate that what they do is staggering. Exactly. Go yeah. watch it and appreciate it and don't worry about what they look like compared to what you look like. Absolutely. We will take a quick break here on the Scott Radley Show. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. In studio, Mike Fortune, Scott Urquhart, the brightest panel in Hamilton Radio. Um, We were just talking about 
someone who maybe wanted the world to change around them because of something they were not happy with. We're going to stick with that theme, if nothing else, for the next segment because, again, you probably heard this story, but courts in Britain, we know what happened. When was the Brexit vote? Six months ago? Something along those lines? Give or take. Three people went to the courts. Three people. They had a referendum with 72.2% of the entire United Kingdom voting on this. Two, uh, three people went to court, filed an injunction, and the courts have stopped, for now, the Brexit exit, or the Brexit. I guess it's a verb and a noun. <laughs> um, and you know that, honestly, we hear about, you know, we can't, we, referendums don't, referenda don't work because we get such low turnout for things, and it's not really an indication of what the people want. This had three quarters of the citizenry voting on this. I think you can say very clearly this was a real indication, and yet three people and a judge have been able to stop this. Is this really what our courts, our courts, their courts, whatever, is this what court, the kind of power courts should have? It seems to me that this is a massive overstep, but we see it here too. What, where, what should the power of courts be? Well, the question Boy, is, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm thinking too hard on a Friday is, night. Um, on what basis was it yeah. stopped? Do you know that? Well, there are legal injunctions about how things are done and what the legal, there's a, a I'll, I'll explain in a second. I got the explanation I'll find here in front of me because I read it, but I Because my can't take explain. on this is um, there's someone somewhere who doesn't want this to happen in government. And to this point, there's been no way to get around it. So now we're going to rely on on a legal uh, challenge. It's a legal to challenge to something called Article 50, by the way, which is way too complicated for us to go into yeah. right here, but it's, a, it's, a, it's a within their constitution. It's the way the the uh, separation unfolds, I yes. think, is Article 50. Yeah, but somebody's going to challenge that because really I think the British government is in a spot where they don't want a Brexit. They just don't. They were shocked yeah. at the result. Yeah, and, and I think there are, there's a, a large number of people in the UK as well who didn't vote, figured it was a done deal, um, who are now putting a lot of pressure on the conservatives to do something about this. This should never have happened in the first place. So this is the first step in that campaign. And I think the idea is to try and delay or derail the Brexit to a point where they can, they'll have the opportunity to change their minds and not leave the EU. Because I'm sure there's enormous pressure from the the city, what they call the city of London, the financial community in London. There is enormous pressure from them because if Brexit happens, the city is no longer the city. It exits into Europe and away from London, and that's billions of dollars. And if you know what, if there's a handful of people out there and a judge who want to go through this process, you know, maybe it is an opportunity for everyone just to kind of take a deep breath and look back at everything that has happened. Again, this is way above my pay grade in regards to what was going on and how it's going to affect everything in the world. But the processes are put in place for a reason, and the legal system is put in place for a reason. And if they have to go through this route, I think it's a good idea, and it's a good opportunity for everyone to or have more people get more explanation so more people understand what's going on why it's happening and should it really happen and if the law, if the judge comes back and more people get on this train with these few people then maybe things might change then why did you have the referendum i mean listen why did you have the referendum in the first place if you're going to then say the people have spoken loudly and clearly the people have spoken and then we're going to say but 
We're not going to really listen was to the people. Was it loud and clear? It was what a David was Cameron mistake that got us into a vote in the first place. What was the vote? It wasn't unanimous. Like it, was, it wasn't unanimous. It, it was like no. four, I don't know. Was it 52, 55? I don't know. Something like that. It was, like it was, that. It was, it was clear. It was, it was close, close, but so, clear. So it does show that there's a lot of people that were fence sitters. And to Scott's point earlier, there's lots of people that didn't go out and vote because they just thought it was a done deal. So now this gives everyone a chance to get take a step back and say, all right, let's look at doing this thing again. Let's look at how we can do a little bit better and make sure we are all on the same page. If it can be proven that the original vote, there was something wrong with the original referendum, then they get a chance to say, okay, we're going to do it again. And I guarantee you, if it if it's a do-over, it's not going to be it's a Brexit be a next result. time. It, yeah, absolutely. And the, this whole referendum thing was, as I say, it was a mistake by David Cameron. He did that. In Figuring his, it was a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for the support of his own party. It was a, you know, and it backfired tremendously. But, but if you have, here's the thing, and, and like I... You know, uh, whether they go, whether they stay, I mean, it does affect us because it'll affect the entire world in, in some sense. But if you call a referendum, if you hold a referendum, what I don't understand is how you can then just say, yeah, we were just kidding. It was just, we're just taking a temperature of the people. It's a referendum. And this would, to me, honestly, this, this to me would be no different in a lot of ways as saying, you know, we know there's an election coming up Tuesday in the States. We weren't going to talk about it tonight, but you know what? We're going to have the election. And then when the election's over and one party or the other wins, the other side goes to court and says, we're not going to count that. Let's have a do-over. Al and Gore. the court, and the courts, yeah, but the difference was there was a, there was a, the chads and the hanging chads yeah. and all that. There, I'm just saying it's, the, the election ends 52 to 48 it's, or 51 to 49. It's really close. Yeah, we're going to, I don't, we don't like the result. There's got to be something there. And the courts decide, yeah, you know what? I think we should just do the whole thing over. What would stop us from doing that? Like the courts to me in this case, kind of, I know they maybe wanted to protect England, but if you've had this vote, if you've had this referendum that cost billions of dollars and sucked up all the air in Britain for months, <laughs> yeah, months, yeah. What was it for then if all of a sudden three people can go to court and undo the whole thing? It's the beauty of our justice system, you know? It, but it, should it be? Should that's the that's where we started. Should courts have that much power I think that they the should. people yeah, can say this and a, th- a court of one judge can say, "Not nah, forget it." Now, in a, dem- in a democratic nation, absolutely. There mm-hmm. has to be a check and balance in any democratic system, and there has to be a balance against the legislative power of the government. And at that But balance, what about of the people? There has to be uh, a balance against that too. Uh, if you're if you're saying the people should have all the power, that's not necessarily the best thing for a country. That's that's a revolution. That's what that. But is. if you call a referendum, if you call for a referendum, you are saying to the people, you have the power. You have handed yeah. the power to the people. And, and the argument don't... is going to be that referendum wasn't carried out properly. There was a flaw. There's oh. a flaw. There wasn't enough people that came out. And maybe referendums should be looked at a little differently. Maybe instead of it being four, uh, 51, 49, maybe the percentage between yes and no should be a lot larger. Maybe it has to be well, like Quebec. Six, 60, yeah. 40 type thing. It's It's got to be a lot bigger to show that this is what you really want as a country or whatever the topic is going to be. But I, I, I still come back to my point. I, I, listen, I don't disagree with you. When we had Quebec and it was 50 plus one, 50% yeah, plus, plus one, one, that was idiotic. That was absolutely idiotic. And yet, again, Jean Chrétien at the time figured, well, there's no chance. And then all of a sudden it was mass panic until, remember the big rally the mm-hmm. day before and yeah. we convinced four or five extra people in Quebec to vote <laughs> and kept them around. Changed their minds, yeah. Um, but the reality is if you, 
if you have one of these, if you have decided to have a referendum, I just don't understand how you can then turn around and say it doesn't count. That's uh, everything you guys have both said. I agree with as far as we have to have checks and balances. We should have a better description of what the margin of victory is, all those things. But none of those things existed. You had a you had a game. You played the game under certain rules, and at the end of the game, the losing team said, "Now nah, I'm taking my ball and going home." Game doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> that to me seems insane. It, it does. Whether seem- you want England to stay or not, it seems like an insane way to do business. You had the game, but somebody stepped off the sideline and stuck their foot out and tripped me on the way to the tel- to a touchdown. You know, um, that's that's the argument that the courts are being asked to consider at the moment. You know, and, and, that, and that's, that's fair. Yeah, and I agree with that, Scott. That's why the courts are there. And let's again, let's take a step back. Let's look at everything a little bit differently. And Scott, I see your Scott Radley. I see your side as well too. But at some point, maybe people just realize, look, you know what? This isn't how it should have been. And, and again, I know that doesn't make any sense all of a sudden because you held the referendum. But take a step back, folks. Breathe. And if if something can be done to change us, why not? See, what will end up happening now, I'm, I mean, I'm absolutely convinced we're going to go to a break. Let's say that the no Brexit, is there a, is there a name for the no non-Brexit, the, the no, no exit idea. Brexit, no. whatever. Let's say they actually win this court case. Well, then you're into an endless court battle because then the Brexit people are going to say, well, wait a second. We had a, 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 a referendum fair and square and we won. How did, we, sudden, court of Britain, how did we suddenly lose this? It it mm-hmm. again. It's elections, and and the amazing part about this, and we're you know everyone everyone's attention is on south of the border on Tuesday night. This to me is exactly what we're just talking about. At some point, if you've handed the vote to the people, you have to accept whether you like the outcome or not. You have to accept no, the will of the people. I don't think that's true. I think on, in any legal case, somebody objects to the outcome. And eventually it can end up in the Supreme Court of Canada, the United States, High Court of Britain, whatever it is. And that is the final authority. And there have been lots of laws that have either been upheld or overturned because of that final jurisdictional, you know, process. And I think that's completely fair and completely legitimate in any democratic system. Um, just, uh, just a thought as we send you away to break then. Um, if... That happens in the states where it has to go to the Supreme Court on some sort of thing for this election between Trump and Clinton. Keep in mind that with Anthony Scalia passing away in the states, you would have four and four probably split. So the Supreme Court would not be able to come up with a decision. (laughs) I think the next step is a duel between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. (laughs) (laughs) 20 20 paces at dawn with muskets. I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know. Just when we think nothing could probably ever go crazier, I'm you know you almost think the way this has been going wouldn't shock me at all at if all. we somehow no. end up with a where honestly like you you end up doing like a what, what was the movie wasn't there a movie where they called Kevin Costner or something and he had to cast the deciding vote because it was an absolute dead tie you can see that they just do a blind dial of one American <laughs> <laughs> and they have to be the one to say and it's Jim Bob who finally says who, who won? determines what uh, what uh, area code they're calling yeah. that's what I, I don't know anything yeah. can happen quick break back after this on the Scott Radley show you're listening to the Scott Radley show weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML in studio with the brightest panel in Hamilton Radio, Mike Fortune and Scott Urquhart this evening, holding up their end of the bargain in a big, big way. Um, guys, you know what happens Sunday? Every Sunday? No, this Sunday. <laughs> you get extra sleep. That's oh, the, yeah. That's the, yeah. Good, yeah. that's the good part of it. The bad part is that then at 4 o'clock, 
on Monday, yeah. you will look out your window and it will be pitch Dark. black. Yeah. And I got to say, I am really not clear on why we need daylight saving time. At one point, it was for farmers or something. It was for electricity to save lives. Why do we still do this? That's a good question. It's a million dollar question. Yeah. It's more uh, than a million dollars. I think, <laughs> I think originally one of the reasons was to, to line up our banking hours and our, you know, hours of work with the United States. But so many states have abandoned this now. It's kind of like, oh, well, do we really need to do this anymore? I don't have the answer. All I know is that when it gets dark at 4 o'clock uh, in the winter, I just want to go and drown myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, well, it's, it is depressing. I mean, honestly, when you see that, di- it, it, you talk about the, what is it, the winter blues, the... Oh, the yeah. The, yeah. Winter the, what, the, what's yeah. the name for that? The, uh, there's a, like an actual name for the... Um, uh, sad? Is that Sad, yeah. <laughs> seasonal effective. I, it's no wonder. Losing yeah. out on the vitamin D. Yeah, no, yeah. It, it, for sure. But I just, Mike, I just, I can't... I can't see a reason why we still do this. I don't understand it either. It's never really made sense. You just, I, and half the time people forget or you're scrounging around Saturday night, clocks forward, backwards, whatever. What I do like about it, I always do remember to change my batteries and my <laughs> smoke alarms. That's the one thing. That's <laughs> the positive <laughs> about it, at least. I know that's the time to do it. Um, but you know what? Again, I try to embrace these things. It is what it is. I don't know why they do it, which was the original question, but we were actually joking around at work about this as well, too. You lose the sun. It gets a little colder earlier. Um, but I I just look at this as a positive in the fact that guess what you know what spring is just around the corner now the uh, the the testing your uh, <laughs> your batteries and your smoke alarm I, w- I will tell you a story that uh, last year we decided to test to see because ours are actually wired into the house yeah. okay yeah, yeah. and so we decided to do a test when it came around to the day of daylight savings yep. I can't remember. and uh, so I lit a match and held it underneath the thing <laughs> or, or I pressed the button here I did something. Anyway, not not really thinking about anything, and it goes beep, 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 as they're screaming, and about five seconds later, my eighteen-year-old son comes running down the stairs with a towel wrapped around him. He'd been in the shower, <laughs> and he thought works. the house was on fire. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, I wish I'd taken a video of it. <laughs> well, it was one of the funniest things my ever. My kids have slept right through, right through the whole thing. Yeah, I don't know how these things yeah. are. Bu- Every Sunday, it's our wake-up call. Whenever we're doing bacon and eggs, for some reason, the smoke alarms just seem to go off. Yeah, so I'm, very I'm, sensitive. I'm testing them weekly in my house. I but. just think of this whole daylight saving thing, and it's seems like so much work. And again, once upon a time, my understanding, you say it was with banking. It had something to do with farming and electricity. And be- No, I suppose that with Kathleen Wynn's Ontario, anything we can save in electricity <laughs> is probably a good thing. Um, but it, it, it just seems... Yeah, it, completely unnecessary. Like an anachronism of some sort. Like a throwback. It's yeah. a reminder of what it was like in 1915. Is it not the Saskatchewan? I I don't think uh, follows this anymore. I think they they've abandoned this switch our clocks regimen. Um, and yeah, I mean, what, what is the sort of justification for it now? It doesn't seem to make any sense. I mean, business and commerce, thanks to the internet, go 24/7 worldwide all the time. So there's nothing to gain or lost. Well, and thanks to modern technology, my phone actually changes by itself. Yeah. Because I can tell you that about 15 years ago when we used to have the VCR with the flashing thing. 12, 12, (laughs) I I could never remember how to actually set the time. So for six months, it was off by an hour and I'd have to always remember when I set the thing, okay, one hour 
back. So st- the show starts at 10, so set it for 9. Yeah, because yeah. Cause I could never, the technology could never change. Yeah. I don't know. I still don't know how to change the clock on my microwave. You mentioned the, the technology and how it sets it automatically. I mean, in 1999, we thought the whole world was going to collapse. That's true. Nothing <laughs> happened. <laughs> yeah. Nothing yeah. happened. Yeah. Boring. Y2K. Now, I did cheat just a little bit here. I, I went to my phone. Um, Daylight Savings Time was first used in Canada in 1908. In July 1908, Thunder Bay in Ontario, Canada, became the first location to use daylight savings time. Other Why? locations in Canada were also early to introduce daylight savings. S- exactly to what Scott said earlier, it's used to save energy and make better use of daylight. It was first used in Thunder Bay. So there, at, at, its, at its simplest point here on the internet, on a few quick websites, that's what it says. Save energy and make better use of daylight. That's in its simplest form, right there. Do we need that though? Now we, we again, we're not living on farms. No, no, we're out. We're, it seems a little outdated. We're in offices, and we go from our office to our car, our houses into are our hermetically house. sealed these days. Yes. We're saving all the energy we can. Yeah, well, we're yeah. trying. Yeah, we're Just trying. Don't yeah. dare use your washing machine before seven o'clock at <laughs> night or whatever <laughs> it is. But, uh, but again, we do. We really need this, and to me, it's just a giant pain in the butt to try and remember to try and set everything. If you don't remember, and you have some appointment on Sunday, you're going to be late or really early. So uh, how do you put a motion forward? Who would you put a motion forward to to say, you know, and get people behind you? But why to, Why wouldn't this have already been done? Like, this is what I don't understand. Like, yeah. when you say put a motion forward, look, we got politicians who are putting forward the most inane <laughs> things possible that, you know, like they want to have some law that gives us like a, a national saltwater taffy flavor or something. <laughs> who has not put forward a motion to stop... Daylight it might be interesting time. to see uh, an economic study to see whether it makes any difference or not at this point. Uh, if somebody actually looked into the, crunched the numbers and you know, say, you know. You know who you need on this topic is Marvin Ryder. He, he would, he would <laughs> Marvin know would, and he yes. would have the answer and he would fix everything. This is absolutely true that Marvin <laughs> would have the answer. But uh, again, it's, it just is, uh, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. No, to, and, get, to get up in the dark and go back to bed or come home from work in the dark, it's it's just really um, tough on me, I'll tell you, over the winter. Well, l- let me just, as a quick reminder right now, because somebody listening will forget to set their clocks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Monday night, if you forget to set your clock, I will be on... <laughs> at 8 o'clock, not 7 not o'clock, because it would have been 7, I think, right? I can never remember if I go forward. Or fall I, back. I fall back, but forward. what does that do for my hour? So if it, so 6, now whatever. Now you're into math. Yeah. That's complicated. <laughs> Tune in at 6 just to be safe. <laughs> you may be two hours early. You can People, listen to the news wheel for a couple hours. You should just hours. never turn CHML this off is, This is ever, true. This is, this is the best way to do it. Yeah. Quick break here on the Scott Radley Show. Back after this. Stay with us. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. All right, Mike, I'm going to go to you first on this one. Okay. Go easy. That last hour was tough. It was tough. Yeah, well, <laughs> Jeez. We, we, we're going we're gonna to make it much easier the second hour. Is it okay for stores, for people, for homes, for whatever, is it okay to decorate for Christmas and start doing Christmas before Remembrance Day is over? No, not at all. I think it's ridiculous. You're seeing you're seeing Christmas commercials before Halloween is even finished. For crying out loud, um, I, I I really appreciate the the veterans and everything that they did for us for our freedoms and all that. And I personally think it's uh, it's a bit of a slap in the face. Let's get past Remembrance Day. Let's take that moment and remember why we can have Christmas, why we can be with family and friends and have the jobs that we do have. Um, and then on just November the 12th, 13th, go nuts. Start decorating like crazy if you want. But leading up to this very serious 
time in, in, in the calendar year. I think it's very important that you should be wearing a single poppy. I think that you should be thanking veterans year-round, but take that extra moment during this time of year to say thank you when you do see them. Because, I, I mean, Scott, listen, I, it's my opinion that Christmas starts on December 1st, although I lose that fight in my house every year. I'm the one who holds out, and they say, you're a Scrooge, but I say, no, I, I think a month, I love Christmas, but yep. a month is sufficient for Christmas. But beyond that, to me, it does, I'm with Mike, it seems as though it's become earlier and earlier, but it's disrespectful almost, in a sense, to say, we're going to bury Remembrance Day in a mountain, in a tidal wave, an avalanche, whatever you want to call it, of Christmas, where, you know, we'll stop for five minutes and honor the veterans, but yeah, on with Christmas. We'll stop for them in a silence. That's right. Why, right. And then we're all back on to shopping and watching our TV commercials. Well, I'm with you. I don't think we're going to have a lot of you know, argument about this altogether, but I think it's interesting to me, at, at least, that um, the United States has such a strong military tradition and such... Um, they go out of their way to thank their veterans daily almost in many, many different ways. And yet it's the commerce of the United States that's driven this Christmas thing earlier and earlier and earlier. And that to me seems so ironic and, and such a dichotomy that it's hard to reconcile. And is the power of commerce um, that important that we we should just, you know, well, it must be. I mean, it, there must be loads of people who are shopping for Christmas in early November or else they wouldn't do it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Or or is it just about being, about conditioning us, getting us ready to spend our money by seeing it? But like, uh, Scott, are you a, are you a, let's go out six to eight weeks ahead of time for Maria to buy your Christmas gifts or are you a, okay, it's a week before, I better find something. <laughs> well, it, it depends. If If I have a sudden, you know, uh, sudden inspiration somewhere a couple of months ahead, I might do that, right? But no, normally it's it's within the last, like you say, from De- December 1st onwards. Uh, that's when I'm thinking about Christmas. I, before then, it just doesn't seem right. I'm like you. It doesn't seem right before December and, 1st. And Mike, you know Christmas is coming. Like it, oh, yeah. it, Christmas is not like this yeah. spontaneous, sudden surprise. They go, oh, by the way, this it's year, next Christmas is <laughs> December 25th. Surprise! <laughs> we, we know it's there, so we're going to shop. Yeah. We're going to get it done. We, and you always do. And, you know, our family's a little different. We, we do try to do a little shopping, actually, throughout the year. If you see something on sale or if someone gives you a hint, boy, that's really kind of neat. I make a mental note of it and, well, you know, I'll go get it. So at least but I'm do not... do you need Jingle Bells playing no, to buy it? No, you don't. No. So I'm just saying I'm not a last-minute shopper. I refuse. I don't even like going to the mall. Tracy, my wife, here's the credit card. Go. Just uh, and leave me out of all of this. But, no, you don't need the Jingle Belling and the ho-ho-hoing starting as of right now. It, it's really, truly not fair. And getting back to the, the veterans, again... It, it, it's. I hope people this coming November and really from here on out find a cenotaph to go to. Go to Gore Park. Go find wherever there is a Remembrance Day ceremony. And I hope employers give or their employees that time off to show the respect and go somewhere. Or do it within your office at least. Put on CNN or not CNN, CHCH or whatever channel is going to be carrying it here locally and make sure that you do take that time out to remember the veterans. Because at the end of the day, here we were talking about Christmas, but now you got me going on the veterans because that's where it's very important. Well, Scott's right that this is largely driven by the Americans. However, however, the other side of this though is there is bits and pieces of Christmas stuff that we're seeing in commercials now, but we really don't see, even in the States, the bombardment until their Thanksgiving is over, yeah, right? The day, the day after Thanksgiving, day before, day before, day before yeah. is, is, is it, it goes bananas. 
right? And so that's what, but they at least have this marker that is a, a, a reasonable enough time, Ready, I suppose. Ready, set, it's, go. Yeah. <laughs> we don't seem to have that. We just sort of, because our Thanksgiving is early, we are through Halloween, maybe, and we're already full-fledged. I mean, as we've joked about it before, but I mean, Costco's had their stuff up since May. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, so much of the retail industry, though, depends on that Christmas season to survive. It's make or break at that point. Yeah. So if if I'm running a retail operation and I can extend that Christmas buying, you know, session to some extent or or even improve my sales by 5 to 10%, that's a big deal. And and let's look at how shopping has changed so drastically online shopping nowadays. But so, that's why you don't even need the Christmas thing. Well, maybe in the eyes of the marketers they feel that you do. You got to get your message across over to Canada and worldwide that hey, you can you can go online and get it and then Amazon will send it to you in less than 24 hours. We're we're in an, we're in a instant gratification society nowadays where we got to get it, have it, and then we're good to go. Oh, and then we'll continue on to get more stuff. See, I think that your argument there, and it's a valid one, means you don't even need the Christmas advertising. Because again, we know Christmas is coming. We know when it's going to be here. We know we have to get stuff. I mean, look, none of us are dumb enough to show up Christmas morning without a gift for our wife, I hope, or our kids. None of us are that stupid. There may be somebody out there Mm -hmm. listening... Don't be that guy or that woman. Well, part of it is just getting people thinking about it at all. I know. You and me, we're we're going to ignore that until like, oh yeah, it's three weeks to Christmas. So the idea is is to get your head oriented to that. But Scott, if you didn't see a commercial on TV, would you have forgotten that Christmas was eventually coming in December? When when December 1st rolls around at the very latest, you know it's coming. It's December. You write December down, you go, oh, well, Christmas right. is coming. But don't you find yourself thinking a little bit earlier about, oh, yeah, okay, now we're into this Christmas thing. And your head, whether you acknowledge it or not, is saying, this is the Christmas season. And if it extends that shopping, that buying you know, uh, session between you know, the 1st of December and the second week of November, two weeks longer... Yeah, that's yeah. that's a big deal. And like you said, Scott, it's it's about corporate greed. It's it's about making sure you hit your margin, beat your margins. Because yeah. guess what? There is a ton of competition out there nowadays. Oh, for sure. I, I still don't agree with with all of it because again, going back to what it was, should it happen before Remembrance Day? No, I no. don't think it should. I still go back to the. I, I wish we had, and we're never going to. Uh, my personal position, December first. But I wish we at least had something that would say. Remembrance Day, we are allowing ourselves to get past Remembrance Day to make that a big deal, Mm -hmm. as opposed to, as I say, we're going to stop for the half hour ceremony that we watch on TV or go to the Cenotaph out of our Christmas preparations. We'll we'll stop for a minute, but... Then once we're done, veterans out of the way. It's like you know, women and children out of the uh, way. Yeah, it's unseemly. It's, it's really. George yeah. Costanza in the Seinfeld episode when the <laughs> fire alarm goes off, pushing the women and children out of the way to get to the door. Oh, yeah. It's like veterans out of the way. I got to get back to my shopping, and I, just, I, it, to me, the whole thing always ends up looking like Remembrance Day is just this thing we drop in. Because we kind of have to, and no, you know, I agree with you, but I, I understand. I, I think understand. Why I suppose, yeah. I suppose, but I would love to see. I would love to see one large retailer, one large store. I mean, you know, the Ma and Pa shop. Yeah. But I'd love to see Walmart or not even Walmart. Anyone, any one of the big stores go. You know what? Let's see this year. Let's risk it yeah. and see what happens if we don't advertise Christmas until. You know what? People actually are starting to think about Christmas. I bet you 
that if some of those big stores did nothing for Christmas and then all of a sudden on December 1st, you walk in and it's like the scene in Elf when Buddy the Elf has, <laughs> if, if you walk into the store and boom, it's Christmas, yeah. you're going to sell just as much as if you'd been going for weeks. Well, that might be the anti-marketing campaign. If you, if you got it out there ahead of time that we are not going to put up our Christmas decorations, we're not going to think about Christmas, uh, Christmas doesn't arrive at our shop until November 12th or whatever day it is, um, hey, that might be a good anti-marketing campaign to go uh, contrary to what everybody else does. It would be interesting. And you would need a, I think you would need someone like the Hudson's Bay. That talk about truly Canadian yeah. right there. Yeah. But that it has to be some, it has to be a big company. Well, Hudson's Bay is huge. Yeah, no, no, I mean, you're right. No, it's that's what I'm saying. American now, it, but, well, know, okay, yeah. yes, yeah. But it couldn't be. But it was be, founded on Canada. Yeah. It can't just be a small corner store. It can't be a 7-Eleven or something that, you know, one place just says, okay, I'm going to do this. It's got to be something that. It makes a splash. So with that said, I, I, I'm assuming our time is getting short here. So with that said, if, if, if we're putting that forward, should we then put something else in place where we should be doing something as retailers and the media and all that to ensure that Remembrance Day is talked about a lot more? Yes. Leading yeah. up to everything? Because yes. I still don't think it's talked about enough leading up to it. Why do we, and again, I, uh, Scott has already hit. I mean, you're, you're trying to bang it into people's heads that Christmas is coming. When was the last time you walked into a store and saw a Remembrance Day display of some kind? Now, you've got the veteran, for in many cases, sitting outside with a box of poppies asking mm. for a donation. But I'm talking about a display that doesn't enrich the store in any way. We're not trying, because th- there was a thing on Facebook today, and it was the worst example of, it was a... Uh, Remembrance Day is a time for remembering. It was a real estate ad. And then it said, remember when prices were this low? Oh, and it was yeah. like, it's the most oh, tone deaf. <laughs> you, you, you can't use Remembrance Day no. to sell a product. So Horrible. to have something in a store would not be to enrich you. No. It wouldn't be to benefit your bottom line. It would just be to say, hey, we're honoring this. And when this is done, then we'll get on with the rest, but I think we can stop for a few moments in a few weeks or a week. I mean, between yeah. Halloween and Remembrance Day, is it really yeah, you got what twelve days? Twelve days, eleven days. Is it really an excessive amount of time to say we're really going to push a, put a push on just to do the right thing? And I think, and again, I think if, if you're a company and you do do that and you let everyone know that, just by just by human nature, you will walk by or you will go into that store anyway. And if someone then buys something, great. But again, you don't do it for the profits. You do it for, like you said, you do it for the honoring and to make sure that the veterans are thought about. And you don't even have to, I mean, you may want to put a pot out for donations. You don't even have to do that. You don't even have to. Just for, hey, come in here. There's a display. Stop for one minute in your shopping and think about the veterans. Have like a moment of silence wall or something where you can just stop and have a... A thing. You know, again, it's not, not everyone's going to do it. Maybe Scott is right. Maybe the economy is so tough right now, and we know it's tough, that you can't spare a day, that every single day is so life or, or death, it's, make or break. And maybe, maybe true. that's, well, maybe no, for some places, really, I don't, but that, I, I think maybe that's for some places that's the case, but maybe not, maybe not. Maybe if you say, listen, the minute that's over, we're full force into Christmas, but uh, I find Remembrance Day to be a great day of reflection. I truly do. Mm. Well, I, it should it, be. It, it's, it's, it's something that almost, it's almost like you hit the reset button and you're like, oh yeah, 
this is why you're doing everything that you're doing for your family, for your friends, for your uh, your your employer, whatever the case might be. This is why we're doing it, and it's because of those men and women that you're seeing on the screens, young and old. That's why we're here. This is why we had the opportunity to do it in the first place. Exactly. And to give them, I like what you just said, Scott, to give them that 12 days between Halloween and Remembrance Day, more people should jump on board with that and something should be done. I'd love to see someone take the lead on that. Quick break. Back after this on The Scott Radley Show. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. You all remember what happened with Mel Gibson a few years ago, I think. Well-documented situation. He got, if I recall correctly, got pulled over for drunk driving and on a police radio, he got picked up making some unfortunate anti-Semitic slurs on, in his drunkenness. And that essentially for all intents and purposes made him a pariah in Hollywood and really has been invisible since then. Well, Mel Gibson has a new movie that's just come out and it is getting unbelievably good reviews. They're talking about it for an Academy Award, possibly, and maybe even Mel Gibson as director, although I find it hard to believe they can be that forgiving. But Scott, is it possible, do you think it's possible when people go now and watch a Mel Gibson movie, or when they watch another actor who has been in trouble, or listen to a singer in a concert who's been in legal trouble, is it possible to separate the artist from the art Absolutely, yeah. It's the, the the willing of suspension of disbelief, and you have to do that no matter if you go to a play, if you go, no matter what entertainment you're looking at. To some extent, you've got to invest yourself in the experience. And I don't think it's a surprise that people are able to watch the movie and not sit there thinking, but he was a rotten person. I mean, Stacey Keach is another actor who, uh, you know, had uh, had a very high-profile career for quite a while, uh, was... Uh, arrested for domestic violence and uh, uh, in a drunken, you know, melee. And, uh, you know, his career went off the rails, but he's crept back into Hollywood. It's happened many, many times. Does it depend what you did, though? So here, this is this is part of the thing. What Mel Gibson did was insult a people group. It was a yeah. racist oh, yeah. incident. Other people have done lots of other stuff. Uh, Robert Downey Jr., Jr. Yeah. you know, had a long... Leo DiCaprio. Leo DiCaprio yeah. Lots of them. I mean, I, I wrote down just a, like a few names that popped in my mind. And what's interesting is you go through this list and it's far from comprehensive. Some of them, <laughs> as soon as you say the name, you will say, oh, oh. Ooh. And other ones, you'll just gloss over and say, really? Well, yeah. was, okay. So I wrote a Mel Gibson, Roman Polanski, who's yeah. still in exile in what, Switzerland? Yeah, was France or Switzerland? France or Switzerland for having a sexual relationship with a 13-year-old girl. Mm -hmm. Um, But you have Hollywood stars who are lobbying for him to come back, which I've never understood because sexual assault is is supposed to be the issue of... Anyway, uh, Mike Tyson is now considered almost a comedian now. He shows up on movies as the funny guy. Mm -hmm. He spent three years in jail for rape. Uh, Now, so you've got Mike Tyson who's done time for rape and he's ha ha Mike Tyson Bill Cosby mm, oh, you know Bill who's who could watch Bill Cosby now and not think of that you couldn't laugh at Bill Cosby now and yet something like uh, shoplifting it virtually ended the career of Winona Ryder and uh, um, oh my head's just gone blank but yeah it's like a, a relatively minor uh, infraction you would think and what did it do? It derailed their career. Well, Johnny Depp, in his divorce proceedings or separation, his wife, and I can't remember her name, 
told horrible stories of things that she alleged that he did to her as far as abuse. Is anyone, does anyone look at Johnny Depp poorly? And again, I don't understand why sometimes we do when we don't, but I don't think so. You know what? I, the, the whole entertainment industry I find is just fascinating. Uh, the, TMZ and these bloggers and all these entertainment shows, they can really spin um, a, a situation to how they want it to be. And they can really bury someone or they can have someone rise from the ashes and everyone loves a comeback story, especially in Hollywood, where, mm-hmm. hey, look what they've done. It's, it, it's, they, they've rebuilt their career. They've apologized. And, and look at the talent and look at the genius behind this person. Look, people make mistakes. The three of us sitting here in this room, I'm sure we've all done some things that we're not proud of. Nope. And <laughs> Scott never, Bradley never. is perfect. Yeah, Scott. Uh, no, no, I believe me. I'm joking around. We, we, no, we've, we've all, we've, have. We've all we have. done things. But when you are a celebrity, of course, there is going to be a massive magnifying glass on you. And it is just going to shine on you. And then the social media is just going to ramp it up even more. And really, Mel Gibson, he said some horrible things. But has he not kind of paid his debt to society well now. that's he, the big that's question. question he's yeah. been that's pretty low he's been pretty low-key he's he been hasn't more than low-key he hasn't been, been getting in any buried, trouble yeah and now he's letting his creative juices go now that is far different from what he did and said compared to what mike tyson did and what bill cosby has done because i i'm afraid to say anything here because your line is going to light up with people saying how dare you um, but again, people like to see their their heroes kind of come back on the screen. He, Mike Tyson's the champ, man. People are going to root for him no it's matter the great, what. Uh, rehabilitation story, right? Marv yeah. Albert. There's another and, guy. Yeah, Marv Albert. And we can over. We seem to be willing to overlook yeah. things that I don't quite understand how we end up overlooking them. You're right. We like a rehabilitation story, but I don't understand how Mike Tyson became the funny guy. I really don't. Um, would it, just before we go to the break, would it be different in this case? When I said, can you separate the art from the artist? Mel Gibson d- is directing this movie. If he was on screen, would that be different? When you're having to, when you're now looking at him as opposed to just, okay, he was working in the background. If you saw Mel Gibson, could you separate it? I, yeah, I think I so. Could. Yeah, I, I don't think that would necessarily matter. And Johnny Depp is a perfect example of that. Interesting topic. I'm... Uh, we will see because you know what? One of these days he will be back on screen mm-hmm. and people may be able to overlook it. I'm not sure that the critics, because every critic will say in his first rollback since his yeah. ex- exile, whatever else, and it'll be, hey, remember, remember what he did. The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900, AM 900, CHML.